Chapter Six of Vera by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. After that, for the moment, anyhow, it was all over with Lucy. She was engulfed. Wemyss kissed her shut eyes. He kissed her parted lips. He kissed her dear, delightful bobbed hair. His tears dried up, or rather wiped away by her little blind shaking hand there were no more of them death for wemyss was indeed at that moment swallowed up in victory instantly he passed from one mood to the other and when she did finally open her eyes at his orders and look at him she saw bending over her a face she hardly recognized for she had not yet seen him happy happy how could he be happy as happy as all that in a moment. She stared at him, and even through her confusion, her bewilderment, was frankly amazed. Then the thought crept into her mind that it was she who had done this, it was she who had transformed him, and her stare softened into a gaze almost of awe, with something of the look in it of a young mother when she first sees her newborn baby. So that is what it is like the young mother whispers to herself in a sort of holy surprise. And I have made it, and it is mine. And so, gazing at this new, effulgent Wemyss, did Lucy say to herself, with the same feeling of wonder, of awe, at her own handiwork, so this is what he is like. Wemyss's face was indeed one great beam. He simply at that moment couldn't remember that he had ever been miserable. He seemed to have his arms around love itself, for never did anyone look more like the very embodiment of his idea of love than Lucy when she gazed up at him, so tender, so resistless. But there were even more wonderful moments after dinner in the darkening garden, while Miss Entwhistle was upstairs packing ready to start by the early train next morning, and they hadn't got the gate between them, and Lucy, of her own accord, laid her cheek against his coat, nestling her head into it, as though there indeed she knew that she was safe. "'My baby, my baby,' Wemyss murmured, in an ecstasy of passionate protectiveness, in his turn flooded by maternal feeling, "'You shall never cry again, never, never.' It irked him that their engagement—Lucy demurred at first to the word engagement, but Wemyss holding her tight in his arms, said he would very much like to know then, by what words she would describe her position at that moment. It irked him that it had to be a secret. He wanted instantly to shout out to the whole world his glory and his pride. But this under the tragic circumstances of their mourning was even to Wemyss clearly impossible. Generally he brushed aside the word impossible if it tried to come between him and the smallest of his wishes. But that inquest was still too vividly in his mind, and the faces of his so-called friends. What would the faces of his so-called friends look like if he, before Vera had been dead a fortnight, should approach them with the news of his engagement? Even Wemyss, a person not greatly imaginative, could picture. And Lucy, quite overwhelmed, first by his tears and then by his joy, no longer could judge anything. She no longer knew whether it were very awful to be love-making in the middle of death, or whether it were, as Wemyss said, 
the natural glorious self-assertiveness of life. She knew nothing any more except that he and she, shipwrecked, had saved each other, and that, for the moment, nothing was required of her, no exertion, nothing at all, except to sit passive with her head on his breast while he called her baby and softly, wonderfully kissed her closed eyes. She couldn't think, she needn't think, oh, she was tired, and this was rest. But after he had gone that night, and all the next day in the train without him, and for the first few days in London, misgivings laid hold of her. That she should be made love to, be engaged, as Wemyss insisted, within a week of her father's death, could not, she thought, be called anything worse than possibly, and, at the outside, an irrelevance. It did no harm to her father's dear memory. It in no way encroached on her adoration of him. He would have been the first to be pleased that she should have found comfort. But what worried her was that Everard, Wemyss's Christian name was Everard, should be able to think of such things as love and more marriage when his wife had just died so awfully, and he on the very spot, and he the first to rush out and see. She found that the moment she was away from him she couldn't get over this. It went round and round in her head as a thing she was unable by herself to understand. While she was with him he overpowered her into a torpor, into a shutting of her eyes and her thoughts, into just giving herself up, after the shocks and agonies of the week, to the blessedness of a soothed and caressed semi-consciousness. And it was only when his first letters began to come, such simple, adoring letters, taking the situation just as it was, just as life and death between them had offered it, untroubled by questioning, undimmed by doubt, with no looking backward, but with a touching, thankful acceptance of the present, that she gradually settled down into that placidity which was at once the relief and the astonishment of her aunt. And his letters were so easy to understand, they were so restfully empty of the difficult thoughts and subtle half-said things her father used to write and all his friends. His very handwriting was the round, slow handwriting of a boy. Lucy had loved him before, but now she fell in love with him, and it was because of his letters. End of chapter 6